1 Peter 3. I don't know about you. Um, how many of you just raise your hand if you ever get aggravated? There here you go. You ever, things just really tick you off. How's that? Is that being plain enough? Just really gets under your skin. This week in the news media, you know, if you watch any news, and I watch a whole lot of news. Good Lord. Just every time you turn around, you get your blood pressure shoots sky high. You got to, you talk when you know you're in trouble, when you're talking back to the television. I had to calm Sharon down three or four times and say, you don't need to talk to the television. Nobody's going to answer you back. I can tell you as, um, as we journey through this life and uh, we have the favor with God, sometimes uh, we feel anemic and we feel overlooked. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can get lost in the uh, minutiae of schedules and details, and we can get lost. We can actually get lost in our own Christianity. And Christianity can become kind of, um, you know, something that we, I'm a Christian, yeah, and I know it, if you're a Christian, and you know it, you know, say amen, say stomp your feet, whatever the case is. But being a Christian is far more than being uh, symbolically, an individual that said, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, means I'm cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Being a Christian means something. It means that you and I have that wonderful relationship with Jesus Christ that is passionate. We are more than conquerors through what? Come on now, help me. We're more than conquerors through what? Through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. We're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. We know that through the blood and the word of our testimony. Have you ever heard these words? I've heard them many times. There's no hope. No hope. Someone will often come up and tell you that when you really don't need to hear it. It's amazing how the devil always plans that. It's not like, man, I'm just, I got the victory. Look what God has done and all those things. And somebody comes along then and says, no hope. Well, you got enough spiritual strength and energy to say, I'm not paying any attention to you. But often people come up and make those kinds of statements like you're no good for nothing, somewhat of a Christian you are, and really there's no hope for you, or, or your past has so ridden you down. If people knew you like I know you, there, there is no hope. And we know that there is a lack of hope throughout the world. And how do you know that, Pastor? Because people are trying to find hope in everything under the sun except where real hope can be found, and his name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. We find it in marijuana, they find it drink, they find it all kinds of things. I, I won't get into that, but the reality is once you meet Jesus and you find out who he is and he comes into your life, my friend, then I want you to know your hopelessness is gone, hallelujah, because he is Lord of all. I love that. I had a friend of mine who died recently, Larry Joe Wright's his name. He was an individual I had as I was pastoring, and he would come, and uh, just a unique individual, unbelievable individual, saved out of the bars, saved out of country music. That is, he performed, uh, saved out of television, and, and uh, he would say, wow, women, and drink, and drugs, and everything else, and making, making big-time money, and, and he was a, a full-blooded Texan, so everything was bigger in Texas. And and when he really, when he gave his heart to Jesus Christ, it was such a transformational change. His wife continued to believe. He treated her badly numerous, many, many times, and she just kept coming back. 
She just kept believing, kept trusting, kept honoring God. I know God, Larry Joe can, God, uh, I know that you can save Larry Joe. Larry Joe, God's going to get a hold of you. Oh, woman, God, God ain't worried about me, et cetera, et cetera. But when God did get a hold of him, it changed his life forever. And I watched him as he would do uh, his, uh, he uh, had a ministry there in the last days. I found out he had cancer. January, this January was a year ago. They said, you've got March to live. That was March of 2016. And uh, he said, but you don't know who the real doctor is. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the doctor said, hey, the way your cancer is functioning, there's no way you're going to make it past March. And boy, after March, all through 2016 and into 2017, he would do the videos, uh, the ministry of uh, food bank, uh, feeding the poor, feeding the hungry, clothing those that needed food. That was, that was his heart. And I watched him uh, drop probably 150 pounds video after video. But he'd always end the video. I just want you all to know, no matter what happens, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Don't ever forget that. Jesus is Lord. And the last several times, the last several times, uh, weak in his body, but his voice would strengthen when he'd get to the place, Jesus is Lord. I have nothing to lose. I heard one preacher say, when we lose a loved one, some will come up and say, sorry for your loss. Well, we understand what that means, sorry for your loss. But the reality is death is not our loss, it's our gain, amen? We don't look at it as a loss, we look at it as a gain. The word hopelessness means uh, an absolute, no second chance, someone is planning to give up and that's all there is to it. And all hope for survival is gone and that is the agenda for the enemy. You see, the devil doesn't know that you're saved. He doesn't understand what it means to have redemption. He doesn't understand the definition. He still thinks you're lost. And that's why he keeps coming after you. He keeps knocking on your door. He believes he can do more with you. But the bottom line is every time he takes a look at the blood that's over the doorpost of your soul and your spirit, he knows something transformational happened. And guess what it does? It dials the devil's mind back to the crucifixion and the resurrection. And he reminds himself once again, wow, I thought I had him when he died on the cross. And when he went to the grave on the third day, he came out of that grave. It reminds him over and over and over again when we declare that we we have hope that's found in Jesus Christ. Ephesians, Paul writes, Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, as for you, turn to your neighbor, say, as for you, go ahead, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So we know that according, the difference between hope and hopelessness is that one thing called Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. No one knew what hopelessness was like Peter. Peter had great, great opportunities in his life. He was, uh, he was a, a self-made man. He was an individual that had drive and determination. He had dreams. He had ambitions. He had quite a business with his boats and his fishing uh, business. He had strength and zeal, potential, leadership ability. When Peter spoke, individuals listened to him. But there was a place at the end of his career, just at the time, at the end of his career, he looked back on all the things that he did. Wow, I traveled with 
the son of the living God for three years. The, the crucifixion has taken place. I actually traveled with him. He realized I actually, I actually denied even knowing him. And he goes back because the devil is loading up on him hopelessness, hopelessness, hopelessness. It didn't matter what he did have. It didn't matter how long he traveled with Jesus. It didn't matter how many miracles he saw. What mattered was I failed Jesus. I denied knowing him. And he came to the conclusion, all I'm ever going to be, I thought I had great potential. I thought I had great opportunity. And it was gifted to me on a silver platter. And I blew it. I blew it. All I'm ever going to be is a fisherman pushing these boats out, cleaning these nets, and that's all that's going to take place. But listen to me, friend. Jesus does not forget you. Amen? He does not turn his back on you. There was an opportunity for redemption for Peter, and Peter didn't understand it. And one day Jesus walked and saw them cleaning the nets. Listen to me, my friend. He looked at Peter, and Peter realized, hey, that's, that's not a figment of my imagination. And Jesus walked up to him and gave him a certificate for a second chance, and Peter was dramatically changed by the forgiving presence of Jesus Christ and now has a brand-new ministry and a brand-new life. And now he writes in 1 Peter, let me tell you what I observed in my life. I had hope. I had great expectations. I had promise. I had favor. I traveled with a man who could do the miracles, but I blew every bit of it. But he circled back around because he has grace and he has power and he has love and he redeemed me and told me to feed his sheep. And I want you to know my life has been different ever since then. So I'm preaching to you, he says, out of 1 Peter. I'm telling you, you are where I used to be, but I want to get you where I am now. There is power in the name of Jesus. Oh, let me tell you, you can get yourself worked up by paying attention to all the things that's going on in this society and wonder what hope do we have. The message of Peter was a changed message that Christ conquered, and because Christ conquered, you and I have the privilege to conquer as well. So this is what Peter says. Jesus fought the fight. Say that with me. Jesus fought the fight. Say it like you mean it. Jesus fought the fight. First Peter 3.18, for Christ died for sins, get this now, once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. Once and for all, Jesus died just for you. Peter's trying to relieve the pressure for those who've fallen off the wagon. He's trying to relieve the pressure for those that are in denial. He's trying to relieve the pressure for those that have been afflicted, he's trying to relieve the pressure for the mind games the devil is playing on them. He's trying to relieve the pressure of those whose faith is nothing but a whimper of a light. He's trying to relieve the pressure off the lives of those who said, I tried it, but it didn't work. He's trying to relieve the pressure on the naysayers who, who seem to have lost their passion. He's trying to relieve that pressure, and he does it in this message. And he said, Jesus did one thing for you, and that he died so that you might have life. Peter says, I want you to understand, I know you've been tried for your faith. 
And I know that you've been abused because of your testimony. I know that you're continually discouraged because of the punch of the enemy and the adversity over and over. I I want you to understand that I know that you're dismayed because of unmet expectations. I understand that. I know you've been under fire, but I'm here to educate you and to bring to you a word of encouragement. Listen, Jesus suffered which many hit a a lack of security, an unjust beating, emotional abuse, embarrassment, rejection, but he did it all for you. The words of Jesus through the prophet Isaiah. Here it is. Let's make it personal. Here we go. Isaiah 50 verse 6. I offered. Say that with me. I offered. Personal pronoun. Here's what Jesus said. I offered. Say the Jews took his life. No, no, no. He offered his life. Nobody took his life. If you want my life, I'm going to have to give it to you because there's not enough power, ingenuity, or anointing in any of you to take my life. Why? Because my life came from God the Father. He gave it, and only he can take it away. So here's what he said. I offered my back to those who beat me. I offered my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face. I didn't try to shield my face for, from the mocking and spitting. He said, I stood there, I hung there, and I offered myself for that kind of treatment. Why? Because Jesus had the ability to look into today. And he said, there will be those of demonic forces that will come and slap you around. There will be those who will mistreat you, cheat you, and lie to you. There will be those that will take an extended hand of fellowship from you and slap you across the face while you're reaching out for fellowship. He said, I offered. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment, the punishment that brought us peace... Only one, one life to give. The punishment he endured that bought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. That word is not just a physical wound. That means that any injunction that the enemy has brought against you that wounds your heart, wounds your spirit, brings you down. He said, I want you to know that by my stripes you are healed. Hallelujah. Don't listen to the power of the dark. Luke 22:44 and being in anguish he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground he says i want you to know that there is no physical emotional or psychological pain that you will ever ever experience but what jesus has not experienced it nothing Well, he's never was divorced. No, he wasn't, but he knows the pain. He knows the trauma. He knows the feeling of a second death. He knows the feeling of being cheated. He knows the feeling of being axed. He knows the feeling that bruises your feelings. He understands that. No pain, but what he has not felt that. He fought the fight of the suffering. Peter also states that through Christ, and though he was Just, he fought and took the place of the unjust. Why would any man not have to do what he went through 
to put his life on the line. And when death came, death came to him. When death came, death came to him. And he fought the battle of death itself. So the writer of Hebrews 12 looked to the one who took death, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy endured the cross, despising the shame. You have no hope except Jesus. He's the sweetest name I know. His name causes every demon in hell to tremble. Whisper the name of Jesus, and it reminds the enemy of how he was beaten down. Hebrews 12, 3, <coughs> consider him who endured such opposition of sinful men. Now get this. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not. Say that with me. So that you will not. Say it again. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If you are weary and you've lost heart, you are not functioning in the perfect will of God. Why cheat what Jesus did who endured the opposition from sinful men and you allow the enemy to whisper a lie into your spirit and be weary and lose heart in the power of the truth. Peter warns us to understand that when no one else was willing or available, Jesus fought the fight over our worst enemy. Now we can experience there's hope, there's grace, there's mercy. This is not a play game. This is real. Jesus served the notice of eviction. If you're a landlord in the state of Florida, you can't just go to somebody you've rented a house to and say, I'm just telling you, I want you out of my house. If that renter knows their rights, they're going to say to you, go ahead and try it. I have rights. While in the old days, if you rented a house to somebody, you could say, I want you out now. If you're not out in 36 hours, I'm going to come and move you out. But you can't do that today. Y'all with me? Why? Because those individuals have rights if they've been meeting their obligation of the rental agreement. And by the way, if you're a landlord, I hope you have a rental agreement in writing with the referral of an eviction notice in there too. Y'all with me? You'll notice that through Jesus, it says, through whom also he went and preached. This is 1 Peter 3, 19. He went and preached to the spirits in prison. Now, you'd think it'd be just good enough for him to go to the grave. 
But you know, Jesus is so smart. He thought, my power is not only good on earth. My power is good everywhere. I might as well do a little evangelism while I'm down there in the pit. Amen? What does that mean? It means if you ever get in the pit, rather than having pity, y'all with me? Have a sign up for Jesus. Message ready. Amen? Tell them about Jesus. Talk to them. Here he goes. You'll notice that though Jesus faced the physical death, here's what it says. He was quickened by the Spirit coming from death to life. Ever been quickened? Let me tell you what that's like. How many have ever been somebody scared the living daylights out of you? How many, how many, go ahead and raise your hands. All right, somebody scared, just scared. All right, well, some of you are not understanding. Let me rephrase it. How many has had somebody scare the living devil out of you? All right, there's some of you a little better with that. Now, what happens when somebody scares the living daylights out of you? Does your blood pressure go up? Okay, I'll be real quiet because we just entered into the funeral home across the street. Does your blood pressure go up? Does your emotion get stirred? Do you want to respond spontaneously? Anybody? Hello? We all do. You know what that is? That is the quickening of a secure person. By that I mean this. Until somebody just, you're good, you're safe, you're all right. But the moment that they do that interruption into your peace and tranquility, all in a moment's notice, your blood pressure goes up, you scream, you don't think about screaming, you don't think about your blood pressure, and all of a sudden there's something evil that hits your mind because you want to say something or hit something or do something all in that split second of a moment. And so here's, that is, that is what this word quickening means. It simply means this. It says, as we understand it, that he quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit, though through whom he also went and preached to the spirits, and he faced physical death and went to the powers of darkness, it says that his spirit was quickened to life. And that's what happens when we have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you and I can have that encounter over and over and over. You can be down, you can be dreadfully hurting, but something happens in us that takes place. The physical torment that Jesus experienced was supposed to be the victory that Satan experienced through the power of darkness. But Satan forgot to understand the power of the resurrection. Everybody has a resurrection cord in them. Are you hearing me? Everybody has a resurrection cord in them. Well, what if you're a non-believer? That cord will never be pulled. 
the resurrection of the saints. But God created all of us with the quickening of the Spirit that in a moment's notice, when Jesus comes in, and that's what the devil did not understand, here are two very important principles. Here's one. One means the Scripture relates to water baptism. Jeff mentioned it earlier. You see, we talk, that's next Sunday, I guess, next Sunday night. It means when you're born again or saved, you die to yourself and to your will. But that's why water baptism is important because being baptized is symbolic of taking you under the water to the depths of death and coming out quickened by the Spirit of God. So when Jesus experienced that, it was a wonderful experience. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new what? He's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And when we come out of the water, we come out as the Spirit quickened us symbolically as a new creature that is able to conquer. We testify of God's amazing grace in our lives. And Jesus fought the fight and now has allowed you to serve the notice on the eviction of the enemy of your life. In the words, Jesus said, I've now given you the power to evict Satan from your thought life, to evict him from your heart, to evict him from your conscience, to evict him in any area that he tries to hide. There is power in my resurrection, and I give you the notice of eviction. How does it happen? When you confess with your mouth, what is in your heart, you give the eviction notice to the powers of darkness and say, you are no longer welcome here. And the enemy says, oh, but you don't have any power. I've whipped you all over the place. You can say not anymore, for it is not by might nor by power, but by the Holy Spirit that quickens me now. I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he's able to minister to me. Satan's reign was broken his time is limited. His hold on humanity is now loosed, and an eviction notice is given. So you, my friend, have no reason to leave this room tonight and go home to wherever it is you're going to go. Hopefully it's home. And not know that when you leave here, you have been reminded of the anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And there is no room in your life for you to ever say, the devil made me do it because he is no longer living in you. The one who is living in you has power over the powers of darkness. Amen? It was so great that those who died in the Old Testament, when the law of sin was initiated out of the garden, that bondage was broken over them. They died without the promise. But when Jesus rose from the dead three days later, my friend, I want you to know he took the locks away and threw them in the sea of forgetfulness and there's a great day of resurrection coming for those Old Testament saints thirdly Christ is in control say that with me Christ is in control first Peter 3 22 who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels authorities and powers here it is in submission to him in submission to him when Jesus was raised from the dead he went from humiliation to glorification. He went from bondage to liberty. He was released from the human shell. He assumed his 
throne of authority, to sit at the right hand of authority. And that authority is to act on behalf of the king, the authority to execute the will of the king. Jesus, being God, returned to conquer. And he conquers through the redeemed of the Lord, if they say so. If they say so. Well, I'm telling you, in you is the power to say so. In you is the ability to say to darkness, to say to the lies, to say to the bondage, to say to the disappointment and the difficulty, I say so because in me is the power of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.20, all this energy, all this energy issues from Christ, God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for his time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all and has the final word on everything. So when you get worked up talking back to the television <laughs> instead of talking talk to him because there's not one decision congressman or the senate or a president or a world ruler is ever going to make but what God either permits it or God initiated it if you think so and so and somebody is in control you are mistaken he is in control. Now, what's greater than death? You might say, well, what's greater than death? I mean, sickness, disease, discouragement. The Bible says at the right hand, he's always busy. When he went to hell, he preached. But now he's at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for you and me right here, right now. He has power over sickness and disease. You say, well, why do I pray when I pray? Because I know that person, they, they've, got, they've got medication, they've got them a Z-pack. So why pray? Because you need to practice. But then you don't ever know when the God who created Z-pack is going to say, forget the Z-pack this time. Healed in the name of Jesus. And overseas, in some of our places where our missionaries are, when I tell you that some are raising the dead and people by the thousands are coming to faith in countries where, where Jesus, the name of Jesus, has never been spoken and Christianity has never entered in, God said, that doesn't scare me because I'm in control. Sickness and given power over temptation placed a contract on Satan's life. He has released us to pursue the joy that comes from his heart. 
So Paul writes, Philippians 2, 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Let's say his name, Jesus. We're going to ask our team to come, Jesus. So at the end of the day, we got Peter, who died a martyr's death. We got a lot of the disciples. We've got people that have gone through torment and great difficulty. We've got people who've been leaders in the church whose hearts been ripped out and thrown on the floor and stomped. And we've got people that are sick. We've got people who've been major world leaders like David Maines who's fighting, believing God for a miracle in his life and in his body. We've got CNN, NSNBC, we've got, we've got ABC, we've got Robin and George, we've got a rapper, we've got this and that and the other. But listen to me. Don't you dare even come close forgetting what you have. And I love it in John's revelation that God gives him the last book in the Bible right before concordance. The message. I looked again, he says, and I heard a company of angels around the throne and the elders, 10,000 times 10,000, their number, thousands after thousands after thousands in full song. The slain lamb is worthy. Take the power, the wealth, the wisdom, the strength. Take the honor, the glory, the blessing. For he traveled as a man and died a criminal. But he rose. And when he rose, he went to the right hand. And right now, whatever you need, tell him. Say if you're the redeemed. Declare his name. Oh, my friend, and watch him move a mountain. Because he loves doing it just for you, just for me. Would you stand and let's worship with this song and then we'll finish up here in just a moment. Freedom is here. Healing is here. 
just come on down we'll pray for you now you need to be released you just need something from Jesus you need healing you just come on right now we'll believe God for you we're going to do that now worship Jesus. If you love him, let's tell him. Yeah. 